BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Welcome back to Forum. Freelancing or having a side hustle is nothing new, but during the course of this pandemic, the worlds of freelancing and side gigs have had more newcomers. E-commerce websites like Etsy had a 42% spike in new sellers compared to previous years, for example. The increase in those working multiple jobs out of financial necessity and not just out of passion or for bonus cash like side hustles are more often thought of was particularly noteworthy among young millennials and Gen Z entering a shaky job market. And we want to hear from you. Tell us, are you new to the job market? Did you turn a hobby into a side hustle during the pandemic to help with finances? How has it been for you? Fun or stressful? Is it something you see yourself continuing even when economic times are better? Give us a call at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. Here with me to talk about the increase in side gigs and how some are monetizing their creative hobbies like cooking and jewelry making to support themselves are Adam Ozemek, Chief Economist at Upwork, and a free, uh, which is a freelancing platform. Welcome to Forum, Adam Ozemek. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. And we have Jackie Germain joining us, journalist and 2021 Economic Security Project Fellow at Teen Vogue. Welcome to Forum, Jackie Germain. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So, Jackie Germain, I'll start with you. In your story for Teen Vogue uh, that was addressing this issue, you begin with a story with about a teacher named Tony Chavaria. Can you tell us about her? Sure, yeah. So, you know, Tony um, is working in the education profession. Um, she'd actually recently graduated, um, had a, become a teacher and been working for a few years, uh, and then the pandemic hit, right? Um, and so she ended up, she ended up losing her job. She was laid off um, over Zoom, which was quite an experience, as she told me. Um, and, you know, during for, for a few months over the summer, uh, she was sort of tasked with figuring out how to make ends meet. Um, and on top of that, whether or not she'd even be able to, to you know, find a job in the industry that she had planned to devote her entire life to. And Adam, 
Ozemek, Upwork released a study last fall saying that the pandemic drove an influx of young, highly skilled first-time freelancers seeking alternate career opportunities. Can you talk about what you found overall and specifically when it came to millennial and Gen Z workers? Yeah, um, what we found was that a lot of people were trying freelancing for the first time this year. So you you had, um, you know, obviously it was a really challenging labor market and uh, there weren't uh, as many opportunities as normal in, you know, full-time employment. And especially for people who are just getting out of college and they were, couldn't land that first job, um, freelancing represented uh, an, an easy opportunity to find work for them. There's a couple of reasons why. Importantly, freelancing has always been much more remote than traditional employment. Mm-hmm. Even before the pandemic, um, freelancers were, you know, they were more likely to be remote than overall workers are today. So that high level of remote ability meant that um, a lot of businesses, when things were shut down, they came to freelance platforms to um, find people. And a lot of people who are looking for work came to freelance platforms as well. So uh, that that remote ability was really important. And and can you talk about some of the stats reflecting the trends with millennials and Gen Z workers? I found those to be pretty interesting. Yeah, um, you know, it's really fascinating. It, it's certainly true that every generation freelances, um, you know, whether you're very young or very old or people who are freelancing. But we find the, the highest rates among Gen Z when we had 50% of uh, people, uh, Gen Z, who were employed, they were doing some sort of freelancing, and um, 44% of millennials. Now, it, it's important to put these numbers in context because a lot of people who freelance do it on a part-time uh, moonlighting or otherwise highly occasional basis. So that doesn't mean that uh, half of Gen Z who worked were sort of full-time freelancers. It meant that they freelanced in some way or another. Now, some of them were full-time, but some of them were just doing you know highly occasional work. And what did your study say about the future of freelancing? Has the pandemic kind of changed the view of freelance work overall with people who might be newcomers to it? I think you really have to look at both sides of the market here. On the client side, what we found is that a lot of businesses who didn't think they could work remote have learned that they can. Not only can they work remote, but their productivity goes up when they work remote and they can hire workers wherever they live and not just in their local labor market. So I do think on the demand side, we are going to see people looking for more remote freelancers. On the supply side, I also think that, you know, it's much easier to find remote freelancing work. This is like, a, it's, it's, it's disproportionately remote. It's been remote for a long time. We've been helping people do remote freelancing for two decades now. So that's nothing new. So people who want that flexibility, this is a place to find it. Not only that, but you know, freelancing has added flexibility. So I think that people who are sort of rethinking how they want to work, you know, they've had the first experience doing remote work and they enjoy the lack of commute. They enjoy the flexibility and freelancing is another step of, towards flexibility. It means not only can you work wherever you want, but you can actually work when you want and you can define your schedule and, and how much you want to be working or how little. So I do think that um, you know, when you look at the supply and the demand, both factors suggest we're going to see more remote freelancing going forward. And Jackie Germaine, uh, we just have a little time before the break, and I'll be asking you about this more when we come back. Um, but you say we should stop glamorizing side hustles. Can you s- start speaking a touch on that? Sure. I, you know, I think one of the dominant narratives about side hustles are that they um, kind of free up 
uh, your ability to sort of be as productive as you want and make as much money as you want. But in reality, um, a lot of people are coming to side hustles from a place of economic scarcity, right? And looking for that economic stability. So folks are are working hard. They're they're putting in everything they can to make ends meet. It's not sort of a you know a, a something they do instead of some sort of a leisure activity, right? Um, and so I think that's that's really what we want to do is kind of talk about um, the other side of that narrative. Well, Adam Ozemek, I know we have to let you go at the break. So he, thank you for joining us and sharing some of your, your stats from your study. Adam Ozemek, Chief Economist at Upwork, a freelancing platform. We're also talking with Jackie Germain, Journalist in 2021 Economic Security Project Fellow at Teen Vogue. And with you, our listeners, tell us, are you new to the job market? Did you turn a hobby into a side hustle during the pandemic to help with finances? How has it been for you? Has it been fun or stressful? Stressful? Is it something you see yourself continuing even when economic times are better? Give us a call at 866-733-6786. That's 866 866- Seven three three six seven eight six. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum, or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. We'll have more with Jackie Germain and you, our listeners, and some people who are side hustling after the break. This is Forum. I'm Ariana Prail. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Ariana Prail. We're talking about side hustles as a financial necessity with Jackie Germain, journalist and 2021 Economic Security Project Fellow at Teen Vogue. And joining us now are Athenia Tang, therapist and artist behind Two Root Shop, a handmade polymer clay earring small business, and Monica Paredes, fourth-year student at UC Davis, founder of Halal Caria, making halal Mexican food accessible to the Bay Area and Sacramento area. Welcome to Forum, Athenia and Monica. Do we have Monica? Are you there? Okay. Well, while we wait to get their connection, let's go to a caller. Vincent in Santa Cruz, you're on. Hi, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm good. So I'm just calling to share my own experience. Um, I'm a college student from Santa Cruz and I was laid off at the start of the pandemic. So in order to find a new source of income, uh, I started selling some of my own clothing and it evolved into a vintage clothing business that I still run to this day. Um, I primarily sell on Depop, which is very similar to Etsy, but then I also have been starting to do events here in the Bay Area. So it's been a really great experience to, you know, kind of grow my knowledge on how to handle, uh, I guess, a passive income and also be able to set up and sell to people and uh, negotiate and all of those good things that are involved with that. Well, thanks for sharing your perspective and your experience so far, Vincent. I'm glad that it's been in such a positive experience. And I'm hearing now that we have Athenia Tang with us. Athenia, are you there? 
I am. Okay, great. Thanks for for joining us. So tell us about kind of what your work experience has been over the course um, of this past year, kind of how your job and work situation changed. Oh, my goodness. Well, two things. So I'm a psychotherapist. And I also make jewelry. I own a little small business called Two Root Shop. And um, I was working as a therapist at a junior college in Alameda. Um, That job ended in May. So I was left um, for like half a year with just my Two Root Shop business. Um, And that was an interesting journey. Uh, Just I got to really just focus on my creativity, you know. Um, But then the pandemic hit. So... um, my income changed. Yeah, it was just really an interesting journey. <laughs> and and so what I heard is that you also, you were typically kind of going to fairs to sell your jewelry that you've been making bef- prior to the pandemic. And that was more kind of hobby territory. But since the pandemic hit, you had to shift everything online. And then that started feeling more like a job. Oh, my God, yes. So I remember the beginning of the, of the pandemic, I was just thinking about how I'm going to structure um my business so that I could get some consistent income. And I was like, I'm going to do like maybe two fairs a month. Um, But, you know, the shelter in place thing happened. And so um, all the shows got canceled. And I, so that whole plan just fell apart. But interestingly, I think people, I already had an Etsy shop. And I think interestingly, people were just like shifted online. People were shopping online. And so my business actually did kind of well in the beginning of the pandemic. And do you, yeah. And do you see this as your new normal or is this more of a temporary switch and kind of when we get back to some semblance of kind of before, well, not, there's not really any before times, but when the economic situation is, is a bit better and the job market is better that, that you might go back to just full-time therapist? Oh no, I, 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 I see myself as part-time therapist, part-time artist. So, um, I am going to be sticking with this. In fact, like when I think things are starting to open and fairs are starting to happen, and I'm, I'm really hoping to get back into them soon. All right. Well, thank you for sharing your experience with us, Athenia Tang. Athenia Tang is a therapist and artist with Two Root Shop, which sells handmade polymer clay earrings. And I'm hearing now that we do have Monica Paredes uh, with us. Monica, welcome to Forum. Yes, thank you guys for having me. And so how did how has your job and work situation changed with the pandemic? So basically, you know, when the pandemic started, I was a full-time student and I was also working at Costco before and everyone knows Costco is super busy. So with pandemic and everyone was like really freaking out with COVID, I decided to stay away from working there and I needed something that was more better for my schedule and more like COVID friendly and like safe. So I decided to take on, you know, uh, making food from home that was in high demand from everyone around me because they wanted something accessible that was like a like halal slaughtered food. So I decided to, you know, start making it from home. And you told the segment's producer, Kimia Akbari, that your friends encouraged you to start selling food. What did you first think when they made that suggestion? Honestly, I thought it was just too much. Like, it's like, no, you know, people are not going to want this. Like, it's better if I just keep doing it just for my friends and for myself. And do you see yourself continuing with Halal Korea like, or going back to Costco? How are you thinking about your next steps? Honestly, the way that my, well, I'm going to graduate soon. And 
start law school. So honestly, I feel that the best thing for me is to have something that I can fit, like do my own schedule for. And I do see this continuing for me because as much as it's grown already now, I was not expecting. So I think it's something that I can continue to do. All right. Well, thank you for sharing your story with us, Monica Paredes. Monica Paredes is a fourth-year student at UC Davis and founder of Halal Korea, making halal Mexican food accessible to the Bay Area and Sacramento area. Thanks for joining us. Of course. Thank you guys for having me. And now I'm going to go to caller Juan in Terralinda. Juan, you're on. Uh, good morning. Uh, yeah, so I think I wanted to echo... Um, this this concept around the, the glamorization of the freelance as a freelance designer and in design across different industries, architecture, industrial design, graphic design. Um, it's, 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 you have to be very in tune with other aspects of this, of the industries. Like you have to be your own marketer. You have to be your own illustrator. You have to be your own graphic designer when you're really just a freelance in, in this, in this, in this, uh, in this industry, right. Or in this environment in the Bay area, um, some people really hang up the towel primarily because they realize that it, the juice is just not worth the squeeze. So um, it, it's, it's just really interesting to note that it's going to continue going, but the people that really success, have success into it are the ones that they really, really love what they're doing. So if you're here and you're freelancing because it's your passion and, and, and whatever industry you're doing is your passion, you're going to you're going to do good, but don't expect to be making a lot, a lot of money on it. <laughs> well, thanks, yes, for sharing that perspective, Juan. And Jackie Germain, that kind of gets to, to some, again, of what your critique is in terms of cautioning that we just glamorize uh, side hustles. And you've shared that your point of view is informed by your experience as a labor organizer and also observing the pressures that young people are feeling through social media to show how creative and productive they are all the time. Can you speak more about that? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, I think right at the beginning of of, um, of the segment, um, you talked a little bit about how common it is for freelancers to also have another gig, right? And that gig could be a part-time gig, that gig could be a full-time gig, but what that ends up um, turning into, right? And again, you know, my background, thank you, as you mentioned, as a labor organizer, for me, this is one of the things that I pay attention to is um, how much of of your day, how much of your week then is spent on a job, right? And even if it's a job that you love, that you're passionate about, um, it is like the last caller said, there's so much involved in, in having a side hustle and maintaining a side business um, on top of whatever other job or as a student or, you know, whatever else you you might be doing. And so, you know, then you start to talk about what does, what does the, that work-life balance look like for you? So, you know, I think when we're talking about, again, this kind of dominant narrative, um, I think we also have to to kind of push against and ask folks, like, what is your actual experience, um, uh, you know, work, you know, working, uh, you know, a side hustle, whether that's to shore up your savings account or it's literally to make ends meet in order to put food on the table at a time when, you know, economic precarity for so many people, the employment market right now is is really, really stressful and really competitive. And can you tell us a bit about another a young adult that you interviewed for your piece, Carolyn Muller. Um, Tell us about their experience and what you took away from it. Yeah, so Carolyn um, works uh, uh, down in the South, uh, or works in Colorado, I'm sorry. Um, But they had a full-time job 
um, and their partner had lost their job during the pandemic. And so they, on top of their full-time job, had to pick up a part-time job and a freelance job um, copy editing in order to make ends meet just for the two of them. Um, and so, you know, now we're also starting to talk about how much work do you need to do in order to afford the cost of living right today, um, you know, across the country. But for Carolyn, um, they talked a lot about exactly what I mentioned, how much of their day, how much of their week was now spent working um, instead of spending time with their partner at home. Um, and unfortunately, um, they shared with me over the course of our interview that they'd lost a loved one over the past several months and how difficult it was to not be able to spend that time with their partner grieving the loss of, the, of their loved one um, because of how much they had to work. Um, and so, you know, again, it's just one of those instances where, um, you know, a side hustle isn't about trading leisurely time for, for extra money, right? A lot of times mm -hmm. for folks, the side hustle is about making ends meet. Well, this listener writes, I started making jewelry as a therapeutic outlet at the beginning of the pandemic. And with the encouragement of my friends, I started selling as extra income while being on financial aid as a student. I soon found that the pressure to grow and market my work became too much and I no longer enjoyed it as a hobby either. This actually reminds me of my younger sister who makes who bakes cookies and just does other baked goods and she tends to do it as um kind of a hobby and she will sell them around the holidays and she told us that you know she had some friends that were saying like oh because she gets really great reception all oh, these are so good you know you should market this you should do that and she was just like no like i'm just not into it i don't want to make cookies all the time you know that sometimes something can just be a hobby Absolutely. It's so funny that you mentioned that too. I was um, speaking with your producer, Kamiya, earlier about a meme that I'd seen a couple months ago um, that was, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it essentially said, you know, um, you know, pick up, pick up a hobby and don't turn it into a job challenge, right? Like, what does it look like for us to just enjoy something and not necessarily need to turn, need to monetize it, right? And turn it into a side hustle. Um, and I think young folks are still trying to find that balance, um, not only because of social media, but because I think in the world that we live in, we're taught to value each each other and ourselves based on what we can produce and how much and how frequently we can produce, right? And so I think the side hustle territory can sometimes um, kind of cross the line in terms of pushing folks to, to, you know, work so much that they don't even really enjoy what they, what they previously really, um, really enjoyed. Let's go to another caller, Max in Oakland Hills. Max, you're on. Yeah, hi. Thanks for taking my call. It's a great, uh, a great subject. Um, just real briefly, at beginning of the pandemic, I was working in a music store. I got laid off because they closed down. And um, at the same time, we were um, starting a year-long process of downsizing and clearing stuff out so we could move and uh, start selling on eBay. All the stuff in the garage and then in storage uh, from old record albums, uh, musical instruments, because I'm into music, um, baseball cards, you know, all the old stuff, uh, clothing. It's, it's amazing what people want and um, and can't get in a store. Um, yeah. So it's been a great, you know, as, as I got some early successes on eBay, um, it just kept going. I, I kept searching and then um, 
started going to some thrift stores when they kind of reopened like uh and by and I, at that point i knew what what to look for and what was selling and and i highly recommend it and also just a note if if you if you if you gross less than 20,000 a year it's not reported to the irs it's oh, considered okay. more of a hobby so it's okay. kind of a little insider tip <laughs> Well, thanks for sharing your experience in, in the insider tip, Max. I'll go to another caller, Laura in Pleasanton. Laura, you're on. Hi. Yeah, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was forced into early retirement, and I discovered, by totally by accident, started my own business. I you know, do one-on-one cognitive um, therapy coaching, and discovered that it was like my dream come true. I had worked for an agency, and they had, you know, all this stuff, rules, regulations, and I'm now able to do what I really love on my own terms, and I can charge a little bit less than the agency was charging and still make a really good living and not have to work full-time, and, you know, it subsidizes my retirement, and, you know, it just I sort of, I got excited about it, and it just kind of blossomed. So now I have a whole new career. Well, thanks for sharing your story with us as well, Laura. And you did, um, Jackie Germain, in your story, also highlight um, kind of an example similar to some of these positive ones we're hearing with Ellen Betty in the UK. Can you you speak a little bit about her example? Sure. So um, Ellen... uh, Betty, as you mentioned, um, is a student uh, in the UK, and she actually, uh, she worked a part-time job while she was a student, uh, was laid off during the pandemic, um, and started uh, making clothes and selling clothes on Depop. Um, She has, she had been able to sew for a long time and figured she'd pick it up again um, and found out that she really enjoyed it and started off, you know, making clothes for friends and family and then uh, started selling things online and figuring out kind of the the nuances of uh, being an online seller, right? Um, and she really enjoyed it to the point where, you know, she said she's about to go at the time of energy at the time of the interview, she said she was about to go back to school and, you know, she probably won't do it as often, but she would still do it, you know, maybe on the occasional weekend. And so I think there we're seeing that flexibility, um, the benefits of that flexibility come back in again. And let's try and squeeze in one more call. Jenna in Healdsburg, you're on. Hi, um, I work as an illustrator and a graphic designer, and at the beginning of the pandemic, a lot of my work was surrounding events and doing like event signage and chalkboards and stuff like that. And during the pandemic, because of no events, 90% of my work has shifted to doing logo designs for all of these new side hustles turned legit businesses. So I've been working with a lot of these people that have been transitioning their work into more full-time employment. Well, thanks for sharing that story with us, Jenna. And I also have a listener who's tweeting, I started beekeeping two years ago. My friends keep telling me to turn it into a business. I'm 35. Frankly, I love having a hobby that isn't incentivized by money. Um, But Jackie Germain, just as some closing um, thoughts from you just on kind of the reality that we're in right now, which I think is kind of the heart of what your uh, article was getting at is that yes, ideally we are in this space where we can keep hobbies hobbies and um, side hustle can be a passion project that's by choice and not out of necessity. Um, But a lot is just the consequence of where we are in our country right now. Absolutely. I think 
the question um, that we're, the, you know, this kind of topic raises is what happens when the kind of economic climate that we're in right now, the employment environment that we're in right now, um, the cost of living that, you know, that folks are experiencing across the country, what happens when, you know, people who are teenagers or in high school, people who are about to enter the job market are faced with the reality that they might need more than one job. They might need a full-time job and a part-time job. What does it mean that folks are struggling to come up with these alternate, you know, having to come up with alternate ways um, to, to, to make ends meet? What happens when people are having to figure out those economic solutions for themselves? What does that say about, you know, the economic world that we live in right now? Well, that's some very good food for thought um, to end this on. Thank you, Jackie Germain, journalist and 2021 Economic Security Project Fellow at Teen Vogue. Thanks for joining us and, and sharing your piece. Thank you so much for having me. And also thanks to Adam Ozemek earlier, chief economist at Upwork, a freelancing platform, and to side hustlers Athenia Tang, therapist and artist behind Two Root Shop, a handmade polymer clay earring small business, and Monica Paredes, fourth-year student at UC Davis and founder of Halal Korea. I'm Ariana Prail. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum ahead with Mina Kim. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.